Welcome to Touched and Empowered, a show created to empower individuals to value their lives by hosting think tank discussions that will inspire positive action. Touched and Empowered with Katie and Ace starts now. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Touched and Empowered with Katie Miller and myself, Ace Dolagosa. We will be talking about finance today and how those adversities and some of the most fascinating journeys in our lives have brought us into a state of empowerment and even the people that have empowered us through their own journeys as well. Always fun to have the money talk. (laughs) Right? The money talk. The talk that scares everyone right now. Yes. And, And the talk that is like, well, why didn't they teach us this in school? I think it's... I have so much to talk about on that one. I know, I I do too. (laughs) So like, I don't don't know about you. So I grew up a, I don't want to say I wasn't financially educated. I think my mom is actually an incredible whiz at finance. um, And she's, she has like a very fast intellectual speed of learning, I guess you can say. So she learned how to manage money in a way where I'm like, you're keeping us alive here. Um, yeah. Yeah. She, and that's amazing that she has that because I know that from what I remember growing up, there was always the argument about money. That was common. Um, I mean, I feel like that also still happened. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't peaceful when it came to money in my home. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do with education. So my parents, they're immigrant generation, right? Right. But they kind of had to learn how they went. Um, my dad is the person who taught me how to be frugal, which is really great. <laughs> so if I look yes. flashy, ladies and gentlemen, it's not because I bought it. A good portion of the time, it was a gift. So. Um, the fine art of frugality. Right? Well understanding what's necessary and what's not really grounds you right Um, it does and mm -hmm. that is something that I wish that I had Mm -hmm. growing up I don't remember being taught to shop sales I don't remember being taught to look for value before I spent money interesting okay the we never talked about money. I remember having my first job at the age of 14, working mm-hmm. part-time while I was still in school. Mm-hmm. And I remember being 18, still in high school, and having to go to the eye doctors to get a new pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. And I paid like $150 for my glasses. Mm-hmm. And this was back in the late 90s. So just so you know about why the price is like, oh, that's cheap. Um, I got home and found out that apparently we had eye coverage, coverage to help pay for glasses and lenses and stuff like that, that I didn't know that we had. Mm. And I'm like, well, I didn't have a card. And they're like, oh, all you have to do is tell them that you have VSP. VSP is fabulous, by the way. I absolutely love them. VSP is fantastic. Yes. For those of us with glasses. Um, but so I got the lecture from the stepdad about how I should have known this information. So oh. I went back to the eye glasses place and told them that, you know, I found out that the family does have eye insurance and I need to fix my purchase and then got a lecture from the person at the eyeglass store about how I should have had this information to begin with. 
fair. No, it wasn't. I was getting lectured from both directions. And so that on top of one comment that my stepdad said that said, you are horrible at managing money. I was like, okay. That's not good either. And that oh, was a limiting sorry. belief. That's a limiting belief that I've had for the longest time. Oh, isn't it great when we have those beliefs and then it takes us 20 to 30 years to get them out of our brain? Oh my gosh, it's taken me that long to figure out how to balance a checkbook. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's real. It's real. It's like real. I think my mom gave me the limiting belief, but I don't think it's a limiting belief. I think it's it's fascinating. She's like, you're expensive. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like I'm not expensive. And that made me want to learn how to like find, like you said, find the value in things and whatnot, mm -hmm. because I just didn't want to be expensive. And then it took me a while to realize like I wasn't being expensive. Um, there is a difference between paying $7 for something that you're going to keep around for three months and you have to keep buying it every three months versus buying something for $21 and it lasts you three years. Right. Right. There's like a very big difference here. And I'm talking about makeup. Like it's... <laughs> Well, that's a good place to start. That's yeah, really a good place to start because that's normally for girls anyways, or not necessarily girls, but those who like to wear makeup, mm -hmm. that's one of the first purchases as teenagers. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so we might as well start with what is it that we purchase when we first start to have money on a regular basis mm -hmm. that we actually have access to? Because mm. I know I got money for birthdays and Christmas before I turned 14. I just never saw it. Mm, interesting. Yeah, no, I it went, it went into a savings account that, oh, we have a savings account for you. And when I turned 18, I'm like, so where's my savings? And it could not be found. Oh, wow. You know, apparently so it paid for my graduation stuff. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to argue. Yeah, those are like, those were the conversations that were always so hard at home, right? Yes. And it's so interesting because sure, don't get me wrong. When it comes to money at home, it was like, especially if you're middle class, because the education for finance wasn't there in everyday school or whatnot. And I'm not saying like blaming school, they should have taught us. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying it should be aware to the Economic, like the economy of the United States, about 97% of the United States is financially illiterate and 3% are illiterate. There's a big reason for it. It's there, there weren't programs to teach these skills. Right. For and, that, and that's one of the things that I, as a mom, was looking for mm -hmm. to make sure that my son was in a better position than I am or mm -hmm. was. Am. I'm going to say I am because I still struggle on occasions with finances mm -hmm. because and I don't have a safety net built that is coming. <laughs> and that's, it's so interesting because like, I keep saying interesting because, but I'm really saying, yeah, I'm, it, it's interesting in the positive scheme of things. Yes. On the other scheme of things, it was rough. That's what that means. Like yes. if, <laughs> in other words, we didn't know what, how, why, and then the resource would be gone. And it, like, I didn't see money as a resource sometimes. And then that would feed into this poverty mindset that just kept activating and anxiety driving my financial 
and this is this decisions right yeah future so, decisions because it i mean i know i was very financially illiterate i got out of the house at the age of 18 i went to san francisco for like four months and then came back to the east coast moved in with my husband to be and we got married and all of this was without speaking to my parents mm. so i had no idea how being married was going to change the finances mm-hmm. it i never so shared much. a checking account with somebody before the taxes it's and so the taxes much. and the i'm like what what happened to all this money I was getting back from the government that isn't there now that I'm married? <laughs> I actually told my husband he was too expensive. <laughs> oh, is that why you laughed? I was like, <laughs> yeah, because I, I told him he was too expensive because I wasn't getting as much money back on my tax on my tax refund. Mm-hmm. And um, he just shook his head at me. He's like, you will learn. He's older than I am, so he kind of already knew all of this stuff at this point. And I'm like, well, I don't know this stuff. No one taught me. No one. So when I started learning this stuff and I'm saying stuff, like it's this ambiguous thing that we don't actually know. (laughs) Um, I started learning this stuff after I quit a corporate gig at 24 in finance and accounting. And I was like literally person archiving the, like the backup data. You know, the, basically, if you get audited, essentially, you have to have a specific type of, you have, you have to have certain um, documents, receipts, documents, receipts in place so that you can justify your expenses. Right. Right. And I was archiving that on a weekly basis of over like, this was at a larger talent agency, right. That just went from mom and pops to like TPG um, bought 51% of this, this company. Yes. So it was a multi-million global conglomerate, right? And I was archiving literally the backup of all of the, <laughs> anyways, it was millions of dollars essentially that I was looking at and archiving data for. Um, and for the time that I understood what that meant, I was like, okay, I got this. This is cool. All right. I didn't know that I was getting my master's in like business while I was archiving this stuff. And then when I left to go start my own thing, right? I knew how to manage that. And I found out that about maybe 70%, a lot, probably, probably more of business owners don't know how to do that. Oh, I didn't know. For the first two years that I had been self-employed with my own business, I had no idea the things that I could claim as a business expense. I didn't know that me taking a certification course to be a coach counted as education instead of like college education. Right. Apparently it does. I didn't realize that I can get some money back on the internet that I have at the house because internet is a requirement for my job because everything's online now. Mm-hmm. I even have a specific life insurance now that I found out is a business expense. Like it's great. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. Let's, let, so let me, let me talk about that. So, um, there, there is a air quotes multi, what was it? Uh, multi-level networking type of yep, multi-level marketing, multi, multi-level networking. network marketing. Yeah. That network marketing. Yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of people find that to be a scam. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes it can be. But when it came to WFG, uh, World Financial Group, Mm -hmm. 
So I worked with, I don't know if you guys know him. His name is uh, Cash Rastin. So he was actually in the Think and Grow Rich documentary. Okay. Right. So I worked with him and like one of his mentees and understood financial education from their point of view. So if you think about life insurance, life insurance is, is a bunch of different things. Okay. One, it helps you to realize like, oh, cool. There's a money stored away in case I pass away. Right. To help cover medical bills or final expenses or right. whatever. Right. It's a great policy, especially when you're 24. Why would I be getting life insurance when I'm 24? And I'll explain that in a second. <laughs> Two. <laughs> I can tell you why I would want to buy it at the age of 24. <laughs> and we're going to, we're going to give you that. We'll get that. Yeah. Two, there's also, um, when you think of life insurance, if you get a specific term life insurance, mm-hmm. um, I took the test on this. Can you believe it? Uh, <laughs> you can actually use that like a stock with exponential growth, right? So once you start putting money in that bucket of savings, air quote savings, this little bucket, mm-hmm. it just keeps making money every year and exponentially grows. And by the time you're 40 from the age of 24, if you have one of these, you can be a freaking millionaire. Very nice. Right? I didn't get that. I wasn't smart like that. <laughs> I didn't get it then. I should have, but I didn't. <laughs> Um, number three, no shooting, no shooting on yourself. Oh, uh, good. Thank you. We'll, 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 we'll make more in other ways, but okay. three, <laughs> the third thing that you can also do with these um, specific types of packages is let's say you do end up having um, a really like, for, for instance, I was freaking nervous about the, uh, what's it called? The concussion that I had. Yes. Mild concussion that I had. I was really nervous because I was like, shoot, what if I can't be productive anymore for like longer than a month? I need to work, right? Sure. And you don't, don't get me wrong, you can file for disability, you can go for many different things, but there's also a fund within my life insurance package that says if I were to be in certain, any specific type of situations of disability, I could receive monthly income from my life insurance package. Oh, that's a nice benefit to have. Right, wasn't it? I was just like, oh, I'm so happy about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's like amazing because, you know, when, for example, I was out of, I still have my corporate job at this point, but I was out of work for almost five months because of pneumonia. Oh, yeah. I mean, so of course everything has to be documented, one. Right. And two, there were like five or six qualifiers as to like, if I couldn't, if I, if I had brain trauma and I couldn't do specific things, then yes, then I can actually take out money. Right. Which makes sense that they're going to have the, the rules for it because they don't want, it has to be something that is worth it. Not one of these, oh, I hit my head and I'm good three days later. It, you know, something that is serious. Exactly. Exactly. And same thing with like, if you are in a coma, like, yeah. it triggered. <laughs> that's that was serious. I'd say that was pretty serious. When I found out that there was one for being in a coma, I'm like, then who the heck finds out if I'm in a coma and triggers this thing? Of course you have a beneficiary. Right. Like, so make sure you trust your, <laughs> anyways. So like anyway, WFG <laughs> hands out these life insurance packages, but they also teach you the entrepreneurial lens of this. 
So you don't necessarily want to continue working from a nine to five and only getting breadcrumbs for the rest of your life, right? Right. Right. A lot of people don't. Um, and what WFG did was help to change that mindset uh, to a degree. Some people could go into it for the financial education or people could do it to make money and sales and go rah, rah and make money on life insurance, sure, do your thing. Um, and the other, other part is you can invest in your own life insurance policy and therefore invest that way, right? So the educational component was very important. They understood their mission. They understood that 97% of the country needed financial education. Um, and that is absolutely fantastic that they offer that. Mm-hmm. They did for free, for free, even before making, before purchasing the life insurance. Like they didn't care. They wanted you to be educated because they understood the market. Wow. Right. So this is, this is coming from Cash Rastin's, of course, um, his, the teams that he led. Right. Um, And what was really interesting is like, have you ever seen this? There's like a chart. I forgot exactly. It was like employee. Um, consultant, business owner, and then investor. Yes, I have I have seen that, those four squares with those categories. Right, so those four squares have four different mindsets. And depending on which mindset you're in, will you be able to perform like that specific person? So if you're an employee waiting for people to give you money, right? Right. If you don't break out of that mindset, you won't become a consultant, nor will you become a business owner. True. Right. Yeah. Unless, so some, unless something forces your hand to flip that mindset, like losing your corporate job. Yeah. Right. <laughs> flip, the exactly. mind, flip the mindset. <laughs> uh, it, so with each level, you actually just take more responsibility for your life. Mm-hmm. Right responsibility for your finances and each level also comes with more risk which means you come with more courage that makes sense right even if you're forced to do it you like find the courage somewhere and you're just gonna go right um it that's really important for people to understand and most of the time everyone's in the employee mindset which makes sense because that's how most of us have seen life from what our parents do. Yes. Most most of us have parents who work nine to five. They have a J-O-B. They have a job where they work for somebody else and get paid for their time and their skills. Yes. So looking at um, other business opportunities mm-hmm. to where you aren't the one who's earning the paycheck from someone else, but you are more in control of how the money flows your general direction. Exactly. And that can start with a one-on-one partnership with somebody that could then move to you being a solopreneur to then having a small business where you then pay people for their time. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it is a journey to go through. And I think that it is possible for anybody to do it. It is very possible. It's, I think what I find interesting is like people who don't speak English have done it, right? (laughs) They've figured it out. Like they, they also have a drive. Yes. Because they have a drive to live the American dream. Yes. And that is 
I grew up with the American dream being you own a house, not that you own a business. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, my mom did the same. She was a nurse. Mm-hmm. Uh, father, same way. He was a, he's been a building engineer for years, right? Um, I want to like, so I've been getting this really fascinating download. May I share it with you? Yes, of course. Do I look like I'm made of like millions of dollars? (laughs) From my point of view, you do have that kind of classy Hollywood look to you. Okay, I appreciate that. Then I guess my style looks expensive. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, mom. Thank you, mom. Thank you. The words have reverberated through the presentation. Thank you, mother. So you you have a sense of identity when you talk and when you you know are sitting or standing or presenting, that leads me to believe that you know more than what you're sharing. So therefore, you must be paid well for your knowledge. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I know that I look like everybody else's mother, so. <laughs> With these unicorns, we're unique. What do you think? We're very unique, very unique. Um, I, so I appreciate that. I, I want to say the way that I've been educated is 100% um, what's been shown, right? Right. So for example, when I was working, uh, when I was an NBC page, I was like, I was next to Fortune 500 women, Right. So I got to learn from osmosis from what they could do and how they could perform. Right. Which makes sense. Again, our environment does influence us in one way or another. Yes. Yes. Especially when we're like in the whole learning aspect time of our lives. Yes. Yes. And then when I was in finance and accounting, I remember I remember holding a check for Steven Spielberg and just looking at how much he gets on a monthly basis because he's <laughs> right there. And I was just like, this is a month. <laughs> so that energy is on me for sure. That's like, oh, that's a lot of zeros. <laughs> so that's a lot of like spaces for where a digit's going. I didn't know it could keep going like that in a month, but like I was there, right? Um, and also understanding those habits. Uh, something to something to look into is uh, 177 mental health habits of the world class. Fantastic book. Cash actually recommended it, and I read all of it within like two weeks. It is that good. Oh, it is. Good. Um, it does show you exactly the difference between what is a habit that will help you build. Um, your own spiritual and uh, your own, not, not build your spiritual wealth, I want to say, but like the habits that you can put into place so that you can create your own economy. That is really smart. Yes, it's a great book. Highly recommend it. Um, Think and Grow Rich is another excellent book. Mm-hmm. I want to say if you do read that book, what I what I want to recommend very much is to have a coach to help you implement what is happening in that book. Because if you don't have that, the knowledge is there. But if you don't take the action that the book requires, you're, you, you just wasted $35. True. 
And that's with a lot of these books that are out there that are absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. We can absorb the knowledge, but if we don't absorb how to implement it, then it's just trivia. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You could say it, you could talk about it, you can talk about it in circles, but that doesn't mean you're actually living it. Um, and I think a lot of people, people understood those basics, mm -hmm. then they would also understand that a lot of those limiting beliefs to keep us or to, all right, so there's this really weird conundrum that I've been witnessing. Right. Okay. So because I grew up middle class, I also taught um, I also taught kids that were middle to lower, uh, like when it comes to con uh, economic background, um, middle class to lower um, poverty level and their parents. Right. Mm -hmm. Just hearing how their parents went about money. Nope. Just made sense as to what the barriers are. And I didn't catch on to that until I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Great book. I actually haven't read it. So I, I... Oh, it's, it's a great book. The author, his dad was the quote unquote poor dad. Mm. And his friend's dad was the rich dad. And he was making comparisons when he was home mm -hmm. and when he was over at his friend's house as to how his dad thought versus his friend's dad thought. His dad would be home checking the Sunday newspaper for coupons and sales for grocery shopping and everything like that versus his friend's dad was checking the same newspaper for investment opportunities. So it's all, you know, the whole being open to look for something else besides what we were told or what we got impressed upon us from our parents as to this is how it's always done. And that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, ugh. I remember when I started doing stocks and I kid you not, I was 24. Good for you. I was not good at it. I was freaking horrible. <laughs> I was absolutely terrible at it. Um, I, I tried it for three months and then quit. I'm like, this is too complicated for my brain. Well, uh, you know, and I know I probably should have played a little bit. I just showed it on myself. There's a lot of long-term gain in stocks and you have to be patient. And uh, when I was doing it at 27, 28, I did not have the patience for it. I understand that. And it was, so I actually spoke to a, an advisor about this um, and I call him an advisor. So he became a partner at a, at an investment firm. Um, and he also, I, I, I can't say his name right now because right. for specific purposes, but he was giving me these tips on how to trade. Um, also understanding my background because he knew that minorities in, in the United States aren't taught this financial education. Usually it's passed down from parent to um, child. Not everyone has that. It's fun. So he knew that and he wanted to advocate and like help people that are in that situation. So he was teaching me how to do this. He was also, it, it came down to, there's no set way. Right. It was, what's your style? What are your purposes for investing? Why, uh, like, are you interested in 
like, are you interested in long-term or short-term? What, like, what's, what's your risk level? Like he wanted to assess all of that because that is a big part in play, uh, playing into this. And I was like, I want, funny enough, I'm actually a lot more conservative than I look when it comes to, <laughs> right? So That's I was good like, though. thank you. So it's, so he was like, all right, these are the four that you need to, like, these are the four main ones that you need to invest in. And I was, it was true. There, I was, it was, there were like four ETFs that were international. Um, and I used that as like a savings account, essentially. Makes sense. Yeah, because your savings account, if you put money into a savings account over 10 years, you actually lost 50% of what you could have had. In a traditional savings, yes, because I found that the rate of return is nowhere near what it can be with some of these other strategies right your apr is what three percent if that sometimes four if you're when it's really high but right now i don't think it's three percent robin hood if you get their debit card by the way robin hood is a it's a easy stock exchange that you put on your phone Mm -hmm. if you get their debit card they will give you a 4.4 percent every month on what you haven't invested it's hilarious i'm just like wow this is so much better like what's you know what? But that makes sense. It's a way to train you to put money away and to save it. And it's great that you have access to it with the debit card, but you're not going to earn the interest if you put the money in and then take it right back out. Unless you have a, you already know, and this is the balancing game, right? Once you find out that the stock that you um, invested in has a rate of uh, like an ROI of more than 4.4%, like that's the only time that balance makes sense. And those are the tiny, small things to be aware of. A lot of people don't take that time to understand it. And they don't know that they have to, if you want to really grow what you can, what you have over time. Yeah, because the impression that I got growing up was all of that was handled by a, a financial advisor. And you didn't need a financial advisor in your life until after you made six figures. Fascinating. Yes, I, I know that. I understand that. I didn't know that there was that limit. That, well, again, limiting belief I was grown up with. That's what my stepfather had said. Okay, I see. That's so I didn't know any different. Mm. And that's fair. I didn't know any different either. So, but I have expanded my knowledge on finances and stuff since I became a mom. And when Austin was 14, which is in the state of Maryland, you can get a work permit and start working part-time. New Jersey, same. We had included Austin in the financial conversations as the household. That's smart. As to, okay, the you know holidays are coming up. Where can we start saving money to put money aside? So then that way we can do things like buy fun gifts or go somewhere. Mm. So we had included Austin in those conversations. So then that way he was aware that money doesn't grow on trees and that you do need to plan accordingly if you want to save up for something. And awesome. that I think has helped him with his finances while he's off at college because he knows he gets a set amount of money set dollar amount from me every month and that that's his budget unless he adds money to it with his part-time job 
Excellent. Okay. He started. A, he recently started a part-time job on campus. Oh. So I'm like, more power to you. That means that part of the money I give you, you need to automatically put in your savings account. Which is excellent because he doesn't have to pay for rent. He doesn't. No. Well, no. All of that's included. Yet. All of that's included on campus. He stays on campus. So, but yeah, he doesn't pay rent when he comes home. He doesn't pay for groceries because my husband loves stocking the pantry with all of my son's favorite foods and then complaining about him raiding the pantry when, when he comes, comes home on the weekends. And I'm like, but you filled it just for that purpose. And he goes, I'm giving him a hard time. Shut up. Stop being so logical. I'm like, <laughs> Whatever. Oh, it's a, it, must be, it must be a dad thing for him. See, he has fun with it. So... All right, so I had this really cool ability when I was young and my mom loved it. She like really loved it. I wasn't included on the financial like- Conversations. A right. portion of the time they weren't in English. Um, <laughs> and that's fine. Yes. Um, and, that, and that was okay, but I was really good at negotiating and I didn't know where it came from so I remember this one time my mom got this free trip to Cancun I think right mm -hmm. and it was off of those sales like hey let's come see what's what it's like and then you get a timeshare right somehow I don't know how this happened I was able to negotiate it for free for my mother nice yeah I was 16 she just put me in the chair and she's like all right go ahead and I'm sitting there like, oh, this is fun. Like I actually, she, she did. It was a game. It was, it was a game to me. And I didn't recognize what, what chips I was playing with here. Because think about this. My mother is a nurse. It is hard to become a nurse. And not only is it hard to become a nurse, you get paid well if you make it. Right. Especially for how long she was working. She, she had a six-figure salary as a nurse. And that was the network that they needed to sell these timeshares to because that network had the money to pay them. Right. Right. So they gave us the timeshare for free as long as we gave them two to three names that they could call every year. Nice. Right. I had no idea what happened when I walked away from the table, had no clue. Um, and that was an ability that I just had. Right. Like I understood resources. Yeah. For me, it was my negotiation skills came from going to yard sales. That's brilliant. And it was, and it wasn't even my mom or my stepdad who taught me. It was one of the neighbors because they had like a a movie or something that I wanted to get. And it, let's say, for example, it was a dollar. And I walked up to him with a dollar. He goes, no, you're supposed to negotiate. Aww. I'm like, why? I've got the money to pay for it. He goes, no, you negotiate. And this is what you do. And he taught me the beginnings of negotiation. And then at the end of the day, when I finished it, because we lived in a court. So it was pretty much you walk around the whole thing. You do a lap cool. when we had a community yard sale. So when I did my lap, I walked past his table and I'm like, look at all this stuff I got for five bucks. <laughs> oh, it's so <laughs> So, I mean, I thought I was like, you know, ooh, it's a game. It was a game at that point. And that's when I, you know, now looking back at it, I was like, dude, I need to make it a game with paying my bills. 
see that's how that works too right like it's become the like if you don't have fun with it you won't make money nor will you save well it's a come i think it's a combination of fun and gratitude yes fun and gratitude i agree i am grateful that i have the money to pay for the mortgage to keep a roof over my head i am grateful that i have the money to pay for the health insurance and the car insurance and you know all of these other things and i found that with expressing it with gratitude it doesn't feel like i'm draining the bank account it i don't get that icky feeling in my stomach when it comes to paying bills anymore that's great that's really good. Like being grateful to pay for things is really important. I feel like a lot of people get stuck in the, I can't believe I have to pay for this. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go there. Um, like that's actually the fastest way you burn out on money. Um, that's the fastest way it disappears. Yes. What you should be doing is like re starting even from purchase like knowing if you're doing something that's gradual every month understand the benefits that you're going to receive with the payment right. if you agree to those terms you really agree to those terms truly agree to those terms like seriously agree to those terms then you should have no resentment after you make the you say yes i will pay for this every month and on the side note for when you get yourself stuck into a situation where you have a large credit card bill that you can't pay anymore, call the credit card company. Make arrangements for them to take a lower dollar amount automatically out of your account every month. That way you are still meeting the agreement of the credit card so it doesn't affect your credit card rates and it pays off your balance. You just don't use the credit card during yes. that time frame during the whatever agreed about time frame that you did. Yes. Full disclosure, we are not financial advisors. No, we are, we are not financial advisors. This is just a tip that These I- These are tips that we've learned. That yes. we've learned. And for yes. me, it was um, after having a huge amount of medical bills. Right. I yes. maxed out three credit cards to pay a whole bunch of medical bills when my husband was intensive in the intensive care unit for two and a half weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, so I had three credit cards that had, instead of it being the minimum amount of like $300 a month, they each reduced it to ballparking it. Cause this was a couple of years ago. We'll say like 125 a piece and it automatically came out of my bank account every month. So I didn't have to worry about paying it. Cause I knew what day it was coming out every month. I knew that the money would be there. Cause I was already, you know, forking out $900. Now it's, you know, almost $400. And that made it easier for me to manage the rest of the bills in the house during that point in time. And on all of those cards, I had one card that they decided that I was no longer going to have an account with them. That is perfectly fine. But the other two cards, once it was paid, once it was paid off, they're like, okay, you're good. You're free to use the cards again. That's great. So I have those in reserve because I try very hard not to use my credit cards, except for each has one reoccurring subscription on it that I pay off every month to build up my credit score. That's awesome. <laughs> That's excellent and really good to know. And it's important. A lot of people don't understand that. Um, maybe we should revisit the life 
insurance policy now that you mentioned that? I think that would be good because I know that I had a life insurance policy, but it was through my corporate job. Ah, okay. So you didn't the corporate job. I, there was no way to take it with me. Gotcha. I actually have two insurance policies. Um, so let, let, let's talk about why it's good to get one when you're 24. Um, <laughs> please ex explain why it's a good idea. <laughs> For me, it was because I was a mom. And at that particular moment in time, I had a newborn. My son was born in 2003. So I was, he was a few months old when I turned 24. And I got the first life insurance policy for us at that point in time because of the fact that I knew that if something happened to me or something happened to my husband and we had a single parent raising a kid, money was going to be needed to take care of the final expenses, any bills that were just in my name or just in his name. So then that way there would still be money to put aside for kid to go to school. And so they were not the best ones out there. They were very generic term coverage, but it was the only thing I knew to get at that point in time. When I got my corporate job, I let that policy go because it was horrible and what it actually covered and got it through my work. Because through my work, I was able to get a policy that was six times my annual income. Amazing. And after working there for 14 years, that was a good chunk of change. Mm -hmm. So if I had been able to continue the position and continue working with Nationwide, that would have just continued to grow to six times my salary for me and like four times my salary for my husband and like two times my salary for my son. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, COVID hit. Everyone was told to stay home. No one was driving on the roads. Kind of makes it hard to do an auto insurance job if there's no accidents to investigate. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why my position was eliminated. I see. Okay. Well, see, that makes so sense. Now I had, yeah, that makes, I mean, it makes perfect sense when you think about it from the logical standpoint that there was literally nobody on the roads driving. So there were no accidents to investigate. Right. Um, now we have minimal life insurance, a couple thousand dollars a piece for final expenses only because I have not found something that is affordable that covers everything that we want. I, I know to, we'll get it. Uh, wow, I need to refer you to my agents. Um, <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to do this after the podcast. If anybody, like I have, there's, there's these two wonderful individuals. Um, one of them, oh gosh, wow. Yeah, I, I've been very fortunate and very grateful um, in regards to life insurance. Um, and it's so important because like when people, it, all right, ladies and gentlemen, you can get it through your corporate gig, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. But when you really understand what's in it, like when you get like, when somebody comes up to you and they like assess you and kind of figure out your lifestyle and whatnot. Um, I have a life insurance policy that's only $33 a month and it will be that until I die. Oh no, that's manageable. What? 
I said, that's manageable. That's a, a manageable dollar amount. Yes. That's like a tank of gas. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know why? Because I got it when I was 24. Yeah, I believe that. If I got it later, it would have been a lot more expensive because it would oh, yes. a lot more urgent. Yes, I know because I am early 40s. Yes. And the price of me getting it for me is almost three times what it is for my son who's 19. Yeah. It's a, uh, and that's like what in the hundreds, two hundreds, right? Yeah. Com compared to him getting it for like around 20 bucks a month. Right. It is so awesome to get. And my mother also, she still has life insurance for me too. And she's like, I was like, mom, get rid of it. There's no dollar amount in it. So we got to figure out what to do with it anyways. But like, <laughs> but that, but that, those are the types of things that, um, if you're thinking long game, you won't go broke. Um, you know, what broke my heart a little bit was like, I was walking, so I was walking down Sunset in Hollywood. In mm -hmm. And I saw these two homeless kids, kids, not, not, and when I mean kids, I know I'm 30 and I, I'm wearing a unicorn hat and I could probably look past 12. <laughs> But when I mean kids, I mean 1921. These were like two people, okay. right? They're, they're, or 21, maybe 24, right? They're, um, they moved to LA to live the LA dream. And then they got into the industry and got chewed up and spat out. The entertainment industry, if you don't, it is, it is ruthless um, from what I remember. Uh, can I still survive in it? Like it's, yes, I can. Um, just because it's something that you, you, you have to build. It's like a way right. to really understand uh, tenacity, um, creativity and doing it under stress. Entertainment, in my opinion, is the place where you go to become a diamond. Like you really build yourself there. These kids got spat out. And when you get spat out of entertainment, especially if you don't have a support from a parental figure. I can imagine like, that being very rough. It's like being spat out of the military. I kid oh. you not. Yeah, the PTSD is just the same. Um, less dying, but there is a mental game that comes with the, with the environment. Um, I have family who's military, so I completely understand that kind of devastation. Very similar. That comes with it, with your dream being crushed. Yeah. So, um, so when I was talking to this kid, uh, like these two individuals, one of them, she was homeless, and I was like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "I have COVID. Like, you should stay away from me." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Okay, thanks." So I like walked away a little bit, mm -hmm. but she was perfectly educated. Like I could hear it in her voice. Something tells me she actually had a college degree. Um. Wow. This other kid, 19 years old, freaking fast, smart, can get it. He, him and his girlfriend and his newborn child were in a homeless, like, homeless center. Um, and the thing that was getting them stuck was because they didn't have the financial education. I actually worked with one of those kids. Um, something, just something told me to, like, call him every week. Um, and just meant, he was like, I'm looking for a mentor. And I'm like, cause he asked me something specific. He was like, I need $25 for a storage unit. 
if you're telling me a purpose behind something, right. And it's not $300 or five bucks for food. There's something sincere to that. True. Right. So I sat down with him and I talked, talked with him and figured out a few things. He didn't even have a social security card. By the time that um, I basically practiced results coaching with him for three weeks, I built a book and he got a, he got a job and then was able to get him out of the homeless center. It was, it was the craziest thing. I was like, that's wonderful though. Thank you. But these are the basic life skills that people don't know. And it's like, how come we haven't taught people this? Like I, I had to learn it to a degree, I guess, if you're in New York city, you learn that stuff. But like, because there's a, a, even Miley Cyrus, I think she mentioned, she actually brought somebody on stage with him, with her to like him, her, uh, they, them, mm-hmm. She's going by anymore, but she brought this guy up and and basically said, "Hey, I want you all to hear this." And this kid was, um, I keep saying kid. This kid was college educated and was homeless because he didn't have the education or the practical practical skills he needed to get himself out of homelessness, let alone understand how to utilize his finances. People have been paying entry-level positions from like, I think 2014 to 2017, uh, hopefully they've changed. They've been paying entry-level positions 30 grand when the like the market and like living expenses have quadrupled. Yeah. Of course, you're gonna get a very sad bracket of people that are going into homelessness now. Well, that and there's the combination of all the college debt. Yes. That a lot of these young, I'm switching to young adults instead of kids, but it's pretty much the same thing. This age between 18 and 24, you know, for those who have gone into college, they now have most of them, I will say, have some kind of student debt, which I found out how devastating that could be which is why with Austin my son we started early with trying to find scholarships that he could apply for to help cover the cost so he doesn't have any student debt yeah I still I think I still have student debt like (laughs) notice how I said I think right remember how we had that debt relief thing that was going on I'm like um one that that's an incredible initiative that I believe is the most important thing that I've ever heard of in my entire life Two, not everyone knew how to negotiate their college debt as well. If you didn't have a salary as a, you know, as a graduate, as a graduate, thank you. You actually can like call and say, Hey, I don't have a salary. Can we defer payment for a couple months? You can do that. It's the same thing with, um, what's it called with, uh, with your credit cards. See, now that's something that I didn't even know. And I don't think my sister know with all of her college expenses and everything like that. If it is a, yeah, if it's, um, if it's a public, uh, pu- you know, a student loan, uh, mm-hmm. for, that's a federal loan. Yeah. You can negotiate back and say like, Hey, so I'm not making any money right now. Can we defer, can we, can we change the, the numeric value to $0 a month until I have salary? And you can do that. See, something new that I'm learning. 
Yeah. So I don't have college debt, but it's still good to know because I know family members. I know friends who have kids in college and have student loans for their kids. So I appreciate that input. Yeah. Thank you for giving me that feedback. It's true. I, I, all right. So I was going through a really rough yeah. patch. We don't but know I, what we don't know. So yeah. So I was going through an insane rough patch when I left my, my cor corporate job and I did it on my own volition. That's another thing, by the way, I was like, I'll figure it out. Right. If you don't, if you're not prepared for that, don't do that. Yeah. You need to have, a, for lack of a better term, an exit strategy. Yes. You should have three to four months of rent saved and you should have, um, you should have some type of savings that can kind of pull you over into the next year. Right. Some people don't and you're fine. Um, you can even, you can even do unemployment. You should have a, um, health insurance plan for that year. Right. I nosedove didn't have any of this stuff because I was a interesting human. Um, see, I, I always made sure I had the next job lined up. Every time I quit a job, I, I knew what I was going to be doing two weeks later. That was, so what was funny was like, I've got, I was fired twice when I was in entertainment, right? It also side note, it is also the other industry where you can fail upwards. Every time I got fired, I got a higher position somewhere else. It was weird, but. Hey, that's good news though. <laughs> it was great. I was just like, okay, I guess this is how this works. Um, but also, just, you know, notifying. Every time I got fired, um, I knew how to get myself back up. I knew how to do file for the unemployment that I needed. I knew how to balance and like, I could take three months off. I remember I took three months off after the second time I was fired. Cause I was just like, you know what? I need to figure out my life. Cause I don't know if I want to go back to this. And I remember I traveled for like four months straight. Kid you not. I had somebody Airbnb in my apartment. So I was literally making half my rent without me like needing to do anything. Um, if I needed to make up for the rest of my bills, I would post mate in Beverly Hills where they give you $40 minimum as a tip. Like I knew, I just like figured it out, <laughs> like, right? And of course I didn't have kids and I didn't have a fur baby. So like my stability wasn't, it was oddly there because <laughs> I knew what to do. <laughs> which was really interesting and by the time I was bored was when I applied for a job like <laughs> no I get I get that completely because I, when I lost my corporate job I think I did I moped and I I moped I'll admit that for about maybe two weeks until I reached out to my mom because I was so I was still furloughed at this point I I had just done nothing for two weeks my first two weeks of furlough and then I reached out to my mom and I said is there anything I can do to support your business or the teen suicide prevention society so I don't get bored I will never never say that sentence to my mom again because I have been busy <laughs> ever since <laughs> so I'm not bored um but it got me through that process and it prevented me from 
going into pure devastation when I did get the notice that I was being terminated because I did feel like I was losing part of my identity. You also were, you were working there for a while too, right? Of almost 14 years. Yeah, I can understand that. So yeah, for most of my, most of my son's life, I was working at Nationwide. For most of my son's life, I was working a corporate job. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yeah. I I totally understand. Um, And, you know, the places I worked, um, I'm probably going to share it. It's fine. But um, yeah, I can't. So that's why I. Oh, is it legally binding? It can come back and bite me in the butt. Nationwide has gone after ex-employees for saying things that they should not. Gotcha. So that's why I corrected to say my corporate job. (laughs) Gotcha. I I read all my NDAs and all my contracts, so I know exactly what I'm allowed to say. So it's it's cool. Um, Also, just like because of California, just the way it's California is like um, employment. Realities are so fascinating. Like you can work at one place and tell the next place their secrets and they want you to. It is the creepiest thing. I'm like, this is weird. Whatever. But wow. That is like the complete opposite to what it is here. I honest honestly, it uh, it's just a California thing. I don't think it's anywhere else. Like it's weird. I remember going through the contracts and thinking, wait, I can share this. What? And then I remember um asking one of my colleagues at the old place that I worked at, I'm like, can I really share this information? And they were like, yeah, no, you can say anything you want. I'm like, you made me read all of this. Like, I was just, like you wanted me to tell people anything. Um, <laughs> I had no idea that was like actually a thing. Um, and I was so loyal. Like I never shared any of the secrets until I found that out like a year later. <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna share any. I even went to one of their competitors and they asked me questions about what it was happening because like, all right, so um, fun, fun facts, small tangent, but um, one of my, I had a business partner that wanted to work with me and she was from a competing talent agency um, when I was in entertainment, uh, when, I, when I was producing, like this was the first gig I got out of, um, out of working corporate. And the most fascinating thing about it. So she takes me to this, competing talent agency and they're asking me questions about the talent agency that I worked at prior to and I'm right. sitting there looking at them like uh-huh like like I was going to spill details and I said nothing uh, I just I was so confused and I was actually mad at that business partner for actually trying to breach that type of integrity and I like stopped working with her because of that Wow. Um, I was so upset. I was like, I don't do that. And now it looks like I did. Well, the whole integrity part from that aspect, from sharing secrets for whoever your employer is, also falls into the integrity of your finances. Because if you hold your job in such high regard because of the rules of your corporate job, you should apply that to the rules of your finances. 
Join us next week as Katie and Ace continue their talk on finances and how it applies in your life, business, and in your future.